0: I'm a fish boy who skates for Team X-Plates with a leprechaun Who plays basketball, come to my smart house Meet my alien sister, don't come hungry Because I'll bet my mom can't cook Hello DCOM fans and welcome back to Mom Can't Cook, a DCOM podcast I am one of your hosts... Andy and I am a skeleton. <laughs>
1: I'm the other host, Luke,
0: and I'm vampires.
1: Several of them. T- how many? I panicked at the last minute that a vampire isn't scary enough, and the only thing I could think to do was pluralise it. <laughs> I'm, I'm two vampires. What's the scariest number? I'm 666 uh, vampires. Are they are they regular size or small? They well, they'd have to be small really for me to make up a whole one.
0: I don't think that's very scary. I would just uh. pun- I would punch through them like a <laughs> Stam- cloud. <laughs> just stamp on them like grapes. Anyway, you're probably wondering why <laughs> we're talking about monsters. It's because it's another spooky decom. Hooray! We're talking about 1997's Under Wraps, which is about a mummy. Not either of the Under Wraps on Disney+. Yeah, forget them.
1: Forget them. The, they are a remake and a sequel to the remake of 1997's Under Wraps. And we're not interested in them. Well, we are. No. We'll probably cover them in the future. But but, but we couldn't without we <laughs> We're first... not interested in them, but we have watched them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but we could... <laughs> Look, being interested in something (laughs) is not necessarily a predicate
0: for having watched it. If your brain is fundamentally broken in the way that ours is, then you will still watch them.
1: Exactly. Anyway, under wraps, it's from 1997. Um, It is the very, very first Disney Channel original movie. And boy, did they start things off with a bang. It is the story of a group of friends who find a mummy who is uh appears scary at first but ultimately turns out to just be looking for love sweet the sweet tender physical embrace (laughs) sure (laughs) of another of a of a a fellow mummy or some rando in a in a dance hall (laughs) let's find (laughs) out
0: yeah (laughs) i would forgot about that
1: tomorrow night
0: it's a disney channel original movie under wraps the beard of the mummy may be freed by the purity of the fool and to walk the earth. And he's walking your way on Disney. That's a mummy! Cool! What are we going to call him? How about Harold? And it's up to these three kids to help him find his way back home. And um, we don't have much time, right Harold? Under Wraps, tomorrow at 8, yeah. 7 central, only on Disney Channel. Okay, so Under Wraps uh, was, as you say, the first Disney Channel original movie. Up to that point, Disney was doing Disney... Disney was doing well. Premiere premiere films, (laughs) which is some kind of important distinction. I don't understand. But because this is the first one, I feel kind of like they tried a bit. Yes, you are so right. Um, I think they set
1: a level of professionalism (laughs) that they could not possibly hope to come up to with subsequent films. Yeah. I do know, um, I only did a little bit of IMDb on this one, but I do know that the director uh a mr beeman i think um mr beeman <laughs> it's, he's not called Sounds mr like beeman but i can't okay. remember his first name Sounds like a principal or something well yeah, it does old man beeman old he's man. directed another Gr- decom crusty old beeman <laughs> yeah i do know that he also directed brink which although it came oh. out later in my mind and i know yours as well Andy, is yeah. the platonic ideal of a disney channel
0: original movie yeah the premiere decom yeah, but yeah, you get a kind of sense of it even from the opening credits to this film because a usual decom opening credits is like papyrus font and some sort of pan flute. Yeah, and it just says the name of the film, like "Oh no, I'm a horse" or something.
1: Yeah, exactly. Look, we open on a shot of suburbia. The music's going bum 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 bum.
0: Oh no, I'm a horse, starring Joey
1: Lawrence. Oh, the mom is cooking badly. It's like, oh Joey, you've got to have your breakfast, or you won't be in time for school. Yeah, yeah mom I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do it in a minute. I've just, I'm a horse, though.
0: <laughs> He's trying to do his tie up with his hooves. Oh, uh, oh no. But yeah, this. It's yep. got some really nice credits There's like stop motion snakes and spiders There's yep. mummy hands sort of unrolling Bandages that reveal the names of the Cast and crew It, it yeah. just feels like they're trying you know I know um, but nice. don't worry they don't
1: try for very long um, Because after the Opening credits uh, Is probably the most Frightening <laughs>
0: Opening to a decom You could imagine I mean it's it's one of the more frightening Openings to any movie I think yeah i mean I think not so. not even a horror like a full-on horror film would have someone having their head pressed down towards an, a knife stuck in a garbage disposal within oh the first God. minute and a half of the film we yeah. should point out that this is so it's uh, an introductory scene to this film which is a film within a film we're meant to we're meant to sort of think that this is the film but actually it's a film that the main character is watching but it's a horror film called warthead 4 Yeah, Uh, a day in the country. And to be clear, it does feature at its,
1: uh, you know, the climax of this brief scene, a a genuinely horrible monster smashes Mm -hmm. through a window, screams real enough for you in the face (laughs) of the father of this home and then Mm -hmm. pushes his head down onto a kitchen knife that has been left spinning wildly in the garbage disposal. And yeah,
0: I mean, it conjures a really... It's some real a final, image. final destination stuff. But this is so. Yeah. This is a narrative device used to tell us all we need to know about our first two protagonists that we're meeting: Marshall, mm. who is the main character of the film, and his friend Gilbert. Now, Marshall is absolutely loving this eye-based knife violence. <laughs> he is, he is so into yeah. it. He's leaning forward, biting his lower lip. Yeah, yeah, hit yeah. him again. Show it, show <laughs> it. Go in the eyeball. And, Gil- and Gilbert, his friend is uh physically sickened by this this gore and he yeah. uh, he leaves he leaves the theater. Gilbert has to go
1: stand outside the whole cinema. Yeah. Uh, and Marshall doesn't go join him. He just joins him when the film is ended. And that was clearly yeah. the <laughs> opening scene of the film. So yeah. <laughs> Gilbert has been in the street for upwards of 90 minutes. <laughs> 2 hours out in the cold. Yeah. But that's the kind of thing that Gilbert puts up with without making a fuss because Gilbert is a nailed-on DCOM nerd. But yeah, I mean this is incredibly
0: efficient storytelling. Yeah, it because is. Yeah. Their reaction to this film tells us all we need to know about Marshall yep. and Gilbert. They, they, uh, Marshall leaves the cinema eventually when it finishes and him and Gilbert are walking home. And he's like, I don't understand why you like all these horror films. Uh, why don't you like films? I like happy films, Gilbert says, like The Sound of Music. It's got everything. Singing, dancing and Nazis. Yep. Those are the three things that a <laughs> film needs to have for Gilbert and, to enjoy. And then he starts talking about Liesel and how he's got a huge crush on Liesel. Yeah, um, so again, this is another theme that Gilbert carries through the movie is that he's a sort of creepy, slightly hormonal, obsessed with girls and the, yeah. the sort of adolescent idea of what sex is. I will say that this film contains um, a character that has supplanted Johnny Tsunami as my favourite decom character, but we'll oh, come to that again later. I know, I know exactly who it is. Yeah, and I bet you it, do. You're lucky that this podcast isn't a whole hour <laughs> on, <that. laughs> on this character, but we'll get to them. So yeah. they're walking home. And they see a car race around the corner. And uh, it's a local eccentric called Mr. Kubat. Kubat, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and he's driving fast down the street. Um, but he's uh, he's a creepy man. His house is old and creepy. Gilbert delivers his paper. And uh, through some sort of prodding, Marshall discovers that uh, Mr. Kubat hasn't paid for his newspaper for over two years because Gilbert is too afraid to approach his house and ask for the money. So Marshall, being the sort of bold, horror-loving... Uh, kind of lead de facto leader of this group. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, come on, Gilbert. Put yeah, your, pull your socks up. Let's go get that money.
1: Let's go Crow get what hair. you're owed right now in the middle of the night.
0: Yeah, I mean it must be quite late. It's a sort of late. It's dark and it's yeah. a showing of a horror film, so it yeah. must be a it must be past nine p.m. I reckon. <laughs> it's
1: probably like two in the morning. I yeah, reckon. two in the
0: morning. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Marshall rings the doorbell. uh Mr. Kubat answers, and he is, to be fair, an intimidating character. He has a mean dog on a chain. And he allows the dog to chase the boys to his property line, but then he sort of holds the chain, stops the dog going further and tearing the children apart. Yeah. But yeah, It's he's clearly a, he's clearly a, a, a bad sort, this Kubat. As you can probably um, guess
1: just from this introduction to Mr. Kubat, he is into some weird stuff. He's up to some dodgy dealings. I would think if you were up to the kind of dodgy dealings that he is, I probably wouldn't attract attention by having my dog attack children.
0: Yeah, or um, not
1: paying for my newspaper for two years. yeah. Like the most likely scenario is they're going to run home and say, "I was attacked by a dog," which, yeah. uh, you know, a crime. So, yeah,
0: a parent comes round asks to be let in. Simply have a, the dog attack them. Well, simply kill everyone in the world with your dog. <laughs> they'll come. They'll come round in order, and the dog will <laughs> kill them. Line order. up.
1: Line up at my
0: door. First the police, then the army. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Until everyone has been eaten by the dog, and then you're safe. And then, yeah. Yeah, and so this this plan foiled. Uh, the boys go go back to Marshall's house. Gilbert then goes home uh, because Marshall's mum is there with her new boyfriend Ted, mm. who I mean, this is a, a sort of a recurring theme throughout the movie, is that uh, Marshall's mother, who divorced his father a few years ago, has uh, got a new boyfriend called Ted. He's a sort of towering presence, but he's he clearly wants to be a part of Marshall's life. He's bought ice cream and he wants to sort of hang out. Yeah, For Marshall affable, friendly. Yeah. Much like um, the protagonist of um, Smart House, uh, he's he's not interested. He doesn't want his dad to be supplanted, much in the way that uh, the boy from Smart House didn't want his mum to be supplanted. And uh, yeah, he just says, oh, I'm tired. I'm going upstairs. Um, I'd rather spend time in my room, uh, which is must be a lie because his room is horrifying.
1: <laughs> his room is to wall covered with rubber masks, from From horror movies, like horror paraphernalia,
0: he's made yeah, he's made horror films his whole personality. But uh, his his mom comes up and she's like, "Please, like Ted, your dad and I have been divorced have been divorced a long time." But Marshall's (laughs) having none of it. Marshall's like, "You absolutely will not be fulfilled. You will
1: not be getting on the dating scene. I putting my foot down. No, (laughs) no.
0: Ted is no. Ted is bad. So yeah, that's that's Marshall. Anyway, it's now the next day. We meet a new character called Amy. Um, She's a girl at uh, Marshall School. She's part of the friend group with Gilbert and and Marshall. She kind of completes the trio, doesn't she? They're the sort of the gang. They hang out Mm. together. And uh, she's got news that Mr. Kubat is dead, apparently. The water meter man came round to read the meter and Kubat was lying dead on the floor covered in pancake batter.
1: Yeah, this is a completely unnecessary and very confusing diversion, I think. This whole Mm. is Mr. Kubat
0: dead so as far as we know at this point in the film mr Kubat is dead amy shares the information that he used to work at a big museum in new york he had no no family and no friends his house is being sold and apparently it was full of weird stuff someone saw a coffin in the basement yeah uh, marshall doesn't believe her and amy says there's only one way to find out gee guys I'd, I'd love to go with you but it's just that uh my mom won't let
1: me chicken i am not i asked my mom and you know how strict she is uh mrs anderson
0: Call
1: me Esmeralda. Her name's not Esmeralda. Can we talk about Gilbert's home situation? Okay. (laughs) Like, at this point... And again, just to lay the groundwork, at this point, the film has made it very clear that it wants you to be invested in and care about the home situation of Marshall because his parents are divorced. Mm -hmm. There's a new would-be stepdad on the scene. You know, things are turbulent. You want... The film wants you to care... And wants you to think that Marshall's situation is worthy of your attention. However, it then introduces gilbert's home situation which is so utterly wild that you're like marshall nobody cares about your run-of-the-mill
0: divorced parents it's like, oh my my new potential stepdad is nice uh oh. smash cut to gilbert in his mum's horrifying <laughs> doll sex dungeon we need
1: to get gilbert out of there
0: <laughs> okay it's in an unsafe environment should we okay let's just
1: list all of the things okay we never see gilbert's mother we no. only hear about her through references made yeah. off camera we do hear her once i think we should just list off all the okay. things in the film that we know about her so that we can put together a picture
0: house is full of dolls yes. antique dolls and full and by full i mean literally every surface has an antique doll on it. absolutely wall to wall when they come round, his mother is role-playing as someone called Esmeralda, <laughs> which we find out
1: because <laughs> when they go around to Gilbert's house, Amy's like, "Oh, Mrs. Mrs. Gilbert, can Gilbert come out to play?" And she just responds, "Call me Esmeralda." And Gilbert, with a sad, faraway look in his eyes, says, "She's role-playing. It's best. He-
0: no, it's best just to go with it." I think yeah. is the phrase. <laughs> He's like, "Don't ask." With a with a look that speaks volumes. With a look that says. Don't ask. I mean, this is how terrified Gilbert is of going to Mr. Kubart's basement. He would rather be in the house with his mother's... Uh, let's be let's be honest here. Probably sexual role-playing.
1: We also later find out that Gilbert's mum is hosting a tea party for the dolls uh, yeah. in the house with no other attendees. And we find out that she takes the dolls out to the cinema and mm-hmm. buys them popcorn. Yep. <laughs> um, so just... Go into go into the rest of the narrative knowing that that's happening to Gilbert, but also knowing that the film wants you to give a single
0: solitary about what's happening to Marshall <laughs> about Marshall's nice stepdad about Marshall's nice home. <laughs> he bought him ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Gilbert is trapped in
1: a <laughs> psychosexual doll nightmare. Meanwhile, Gilbert's having little blush cheeks painted on him. So, Soon you'll be a real boy. And you can join me, Esmeralda, Queen of the
0: Fae Spirits. Now drink this tea. <laughs> it's got psycho in it. Drink this tea. It will make you a puppet forever. We made it out of mushrooms, Gilbert. <laughs>
1: Gilbert, you don't want to grow up, do you? Drink <laughs> this tea. <laughs> oh,
0: God. Stay young, Gilbert. I made a Gilbert doll. I don't need you anymore. (laughs) With your growing and your urges. The Gilbert doll has
1: been telling me all of your secret (laughs) thoughts. (laughs) And we don't like the sound of them.
0: No, no, no. We don't like the sound of them at all.
1: (laughs) Oh boy. If it were up to me, I would let you go, Gilbert, but Esmeralda
0: won't have it. Esmeralda, no! He's our son, Esmeralda, we can't It's for his own good. So oh <laughs> But meanwhile Smash to Marshall's stepdad Ted going, I bought ice cream, Marshall. She's like, I can't believe this can't believe terrible home life storming upstairs. <laughs> so all this is to say that Gilbert leaves his home and goes with them to Mr. Kubat's house. Yes. Uh, they break in to uh, Mr. Kubat's basement to see if they can see the creepy coffin that supposedly is in there through a sort of series of unlikely events. Uh, the window gets pushed open. It knocks over a bookshelf. The bookshelf knocks down the coffin, which is actually an Egyptian sarcophagus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the lid slides off revealing the mummy inside. Now, Gilbert is at this point hanging upside down in the basement and he sees the mummy. Uh, He freaks out and runs away. And the other two sort of chase, chase after him. They sort of calm Gilbert down. Uh, He tells him about the coffin. Marshall is like, oh, cool. Mr. Kubat must have killed somebody. But then Gilbert realizes that he dropped his glasses and they have to go back. But they're not going to go back that night um, because uh, Amy reveals that her mother is a realtor. And she's selling the house, and she actually has the key, so they could have just let themselves in. She just thought it would be more exciting if they broke into the basement.
1: Fun fact, the company doing the realty is Beeman Realty, presumably a nod to the director's
0: surname. Or a new monster, the Beeman. A Beeman. <laughs> yeah, who will be revealed later. <laughs> Beeman Real, question mark T. <laughs> Beeman Real. <laughs> so they're not going to go back there that night, but just as well, because a shaft of moonlight shines through the basement window, reflects off a mirror and shines onto the mummy. And the mummy's hand starts to move in the moonlight. The moonlight has resurrected this mummy. That's something moonlight does. So yeah, they go into the house legitimately with the key that they have. Gilbert's still being a coward. The other two go down into the basement uh, to explore. Mm -hmm. The sarcophagus is open, but it's empty. Uh, Gilbert is sat upstairs in the world's scariest chair. And then the doors around him start slamming. He hears a, a pounding, like footsteps, uh, and then suddenly the door handle turns and it's a mummy. <gasps> it's the mummy. It's the, the mummy from Under Wraps. From Under Wraps. Uh, yes. The kids all scream. It starts smashing through the house after them. Uh, it looks like it wants to kill them. They're all stacking objects up against doors and mummy, the mummy is smashing through with its terrible mummy strength. Eventually it has the kids cornered in a corridor. Yes. And it looks like it's about to kill them, but what's this? The mummy looks to its left and notices a a modern toilet. And then it goes into the toilet and does a big long wee. And goes, ah.
1: You're probably thinking, they're not going to show you. They're not going to show a mummy mummy." doing a stand up urination in this kids movie and you're right they're not they're simply going to play you the sound the long audio the long... of the mum-
0: the stream of mummy urine hitting the t- t- and then t- the, the mummy going water. oh <laughs> <sighs> at the end now because now. of the satisfaction the mummy achieved from urinating now- now,
1: this immediately presents roughly an hour's worth of podcast yeah. discussion mm, just yes. on the mummy who uh, does not have a name yet, but just for convenience, uh, they later decide to call it Harold. So we'll just start calling it Harold now. Mm-hmm. What is Harold's um, mummy situation? He Obviously, he looks real messed up and I think is definitely a bit scarier than they probably wanted him to look for yeah, this film. His, his face is quite messed up. He's enormous as well. Harold is played by Bill Figgerbucky, who is a physically enormous actor, Mm -hmm. Uh, also plays the stepdad.
0: Yes, that's that's significant casting, perhaps? Yes,
1: definitely, definitely, because Harold... Symbolically. Symbolically significant casting. And I think, actually, pretty smart. Mm. Also, the other thing you need to know to just kind of bring colour to the Harold performance, which is largely vocal is that Bill is also uh, the voice of Patrick from SpongeBob. Um, oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: that's that's awesome. And
1: and you can absolutely... Well, I mean, here's a bit of Harold doing Harold's thing. You can absolutely hear it.
0: Let's cut him off.
1: So the face is like, how, let's try and describe it for those who don't want to watch under wraps. It's like... It's, he's got like, so
0: he's got bandages across his forehead, bandages yeah. across his chin and a bandage line across the sort of middle, the bridge of his nose. Yeah. You can see his eyes and then he's got a sort of horrible, like half-rotted mouth and giant teeth.
1: Yeah, it's like the lips have receded and rotted away. Yeah. Leaving only like the skin surrounding the lips, which is all kind of dried out and desiccated. It's... Uh, I think it's too scary. I don't think it's I find Harold. Full they re- do
0: cover it up a bit, like later on. I think they probably realized, yeah, um, that it I was mean, a bit hard to look at.
1: I mean, you could just Google image it. For some reason, they put um, like Harold big on the thumbnail. Maybe this is why this one's not on Disney Plus too scary. Like, we, yeah, we made. Well, it, it does
0: start with the knife going in that guy's eye. So. <laughs> yeah, that true. That's true. now. Okay, so the, the mummification process, as I understand it, yeah. involves, well, I mean, firstly, removing all the organs and sort of packing the, the body cavity with sawdust and yes. kind of scented oils and things. Sure. But, I mean, also removing all fluids from the body. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's unlikely that a mummy would have a full <laughs> bladder of
1: urine. It's, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong, I get the gag. It's a solid gag. Hey, what would a mummy need after waking up after 3,000 years in a sarcophagus? Man, I better be bus-
0: busting for a whiz. Why I- didn't it just wet its sarcophagus?
1: Why not simply wet the sarcophagus? Why, 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 when they tipped the sarcophagus open, was it not swimming with urine? <laughs>
0: swimming with urine and pieces. <laughs> why, <was, laughs>
1: why, why was Harold not floating?
0: In. In a, in a sarcophagus full of his own urine. Every sarcophagus should, after about six weeks, just burst open with urine. <laughs> they won't show. They won't show you that on the History Channel. The cowards. To be honest, the only thing I could
1: really think about was that you don't hear Harold washing his hands, and like, and then he he comes out, and in the next scene, he's like grabbing everyone's
0: hair and stuff, and it's like, oh it,
1: no, you're.
0: Uh. <laughs> well, I think. I mean, he wouldn't he wouldn't understand what a sink is he's just woken up from for him presumably it, it goes dying in 2000 BC yeah or whatever
1: and <laughs> then waking up in a in house 1997. in 1997
0: in the yeah. American suburbs yeah I mean I, maybe he ju- he didn't really understand what the toilet was he just saw a sort of receptacle that he could urinate in and he was like well it's gonna have to be this I don't know it's if this is what be. this is for but it's yeah. gonna have to be this or Gilbert <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so the mummy does a big long wee and goes <laughs> ah, and then Gilbert goes that mummy had to go. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. We now kind of have like a complete assembled cast, and it has become clear that Harold, although he looks scary, actually there's nothing scary about him. He he's he was only
0: chasing them because he was yeah. desperate, simply desperate to simply urinate. Desperate to urinate, and he was like, where do people in your time urinate? Yeah, Marshall decides. This mummy isn't a threat, and he's, he's going to keep him. If they leave him here, they'll take him somewhere and experiment on him, probably the same place that they do all the fish boy research.
1: Yeah, but he doesn't want Harold to get dissected, not least because probably like a biology classroom dissection of a <laughs> kidney, he would just explode with <laughs> old urine. Yeah, old um, urine goes every spot, 90% <laughs>
0: urine at this point. The whole way through this sequence, I was just thinking, the production values in this film are actually good, like the mummy chase was dramatic yeah. but not too scary. The yeah. acting's decent. The yeah. score, particularly the score, is yes. really good. Like it it's is. a step above every other decon we've seen so far.
1: I, I I think it's I think it's down to the direction of Greg Beeman.
0: But yeah, the kids decide that um uh, they're gonna leave Harold, the mummy, in the house overnight. Um and come back he can't... M- and come back the next day. Come back the next day, and then so the next day they decide they need to uh, tell someone or find out more about the mummy. Uh, Amy proposes maybe telling Ted because he's large physically. (laughs) Not sure (laughs) what that will bring to the table. But then they realize they have another uh, contact, which is um, a man called Bruce who runs an occult bookstore. Bruce, this is Amy and Gilbert. Nice to meet you guys. Hey, did you see the new Wardhead movie? It was great. Tell me about it. Much more imaginative kill factor. Did you see him field dress that highway patrolman with a spatula? <laughs> hey, I don't care what Cisco and Eber say. That was art. So you guys uh, just browsing today, or are you looking for something special? Actually, we just need some information. Information? I got plenty of. Do you know anything about mummies?
1: Yeah. So they go to um, they go to they go to his ha- his his shop. And say, do you have anything on mummies? And he's like, do I? He even does a theatrical blowing dust off of the book, which is a trope that I always appreciate when I see it. So so good. good.
0: Yeah, he gives them the mummy lore. So um, he's reading from this book. And apparently every year during the Festival of the Dead, the spirit of the mummy may be freed by the purity of the full moon. But if he does not return to his tomb by midnight on that most evil of nights he will dissolve into a pillar of dust and his soul will be lost forever weirdly
1: the uh, ancient egyptian festival of the dead aligns perfectly with halloween
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't think i don't think they had halloween in ancient egypt i don't think so but this sets up the sort of the driving plot of the movie is that they need to get harold back into his coffin by midnight on halloween or his soul will be lost forever and then to underline this there's a sort of like screaming and a, a flashing lights and a wolf howl yeah, um, which it turns out is a sort of pyrotechnic display that Bruce can turn it on and off with a switch, which is actually a good gag. Yeah, like, it, it was, was actually it was well executed and funny. Yeah, it was well done, Mr. Yeah. Beeman. Hey, no. <laughs> Beeman, you're nailing this. Keep going, Beeman. You're doing Keep it. Keep going. Push through. Yeah, it so- got a little wobbly with the urine stuff. So it was <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I'm still a little hung up on Gilbert's home life, but, but, but broadly, broad, broad, broadly, broad strokes, we're we're bringing it home. We're doing all right. We're doing all right.
0: Yeah. Um. So yeah. So they are cycling home, and that is when they run into the greatest character oh. in DCOM history, Leonard. Oh my God, Leonard. So how old, how old would you say Leonard is? He's a small child, ageless. Maybe... I believe
1: Leonard has always been. <laughs> I believe Leonard is a a, a capricious sprite. Um, <laughs> you know, a being one of the other kin.
0: Okay, I would say Leonard is about five years old. Yeah, but
1: that's about right. Yeah, four or um, five, five maybe
0: six. But Leonard is the eyes and the ears of the neighborhood. <laughs> Leonard sees everything. <laughs> Leonard knows everything. Leonard. <laughs> Shouts every single one of his lines and stamps off screen. <laughs> the kid the kid delivering Leonard's lines
1: is doing such a, I guess, unintentionally spectacular job. It is it's one of so the most good. memorable cinematic uh, like, um, performances. Also, the thing about Leonard is I did a bit of a double take when I watched this, even though I'd watched Under Apps before. I watched it to record the podcast because the movie introduces Leonard as if we've already met him. It's, you know, <laughs> They're like, it's, oh, here comes like, Leonard. <laughs> and needless to say, here's Leonard. And then this bleeding, filthy five-year-old whose parents are nowhere in sight. It's just kind of on screen. He's holding a blanket. And when pressed on oh. it, he says, it's not a blanket, it's a rag. I carry Can it we have a clip, kiss? please? Can we please have <laughs> yeah, a clip? Yeah, we need to have a clip. You know what? Here's just some of Leonard's dialogue. Want to see me pick my stab? Get out of my way, Lanyard, and take your blanket with you. This isn't a blanket, it's a rag. I carry it around in case I have to wipe up something. You missed a big yellow truck. What yellow truck? The one they loaded all Mr. Kubat's stuff into. It's so, so good.
0: There's a, G- a GQ <laughs> interview with uh, Christian Bale where he says that kids are the best actors because they are liberated from the pressure of expectation and financial concerns. Oh my God, that's brilliant, and yes. Leonard is, that's just Leonard. Leonard doesn't care about the box office of this movie. He doesn't care about the artistic interpretation of his performance. Leonard yells everything he has to say and then stamps off screen. And <laughs> it's, want... the, it's so good. I wonder if Leonard ad-libbed the
1: line, this isn't a blanket, it's a rag. I carry it round in case I have to wipe off something. <laughs> Because you cannot imagine an adult writing that down. And, you know, why does Leonard have... A blanket, I guess, because he's young. It's like a comfort blanket. Why does yeah. Leonard have a rag? Why is Leonard bleeding? What's <laughs> why, why?
0: is Leonard so filthy? Why is Leonard the eyes and ears of the neighborhood? <laughs> what's going on? If you want, if you want <laughs> to know what's going on in the neighborhood, you've got you gotta ask Leonard. I now. believe
1: Leonard is a sort of uh, Pennywise figure, a kind of a very, very, very old being that uh, the avatar the town. of a sort
0: of unknowable. Exactly. And
1: everyone who lives in the town that Under Wraps is set in, uh, on some level consciously or otherwise
0: knows and has met leonard (laughs) but leonard also delivers the vital information that a big yellow van took all of mr kubat's stuff that's that's per leonard all right that's we got that info from the Leonard hotline yeah
1: because leonard leonard i believe leonard can see through
0: everyone's eyes yeah (laughs) so so if something happens (laughs) in the the three-eyed raven leonard (laughs) Sees all, knows all. But yeah, all that Leonard has to say is that a big yellow van took all of Mr. Kubat's stuff. Yeah. Uh, so they, yeah, they race over to the house. Sorry, this yeah, then Leonard stamps off amazingly. <laughs> it uh, does. Leaving the audience want, wanting more Leonard. It's Don't like, worry, there's more Leonard. It's, it's,
1: it's a perfect shot. It's like side on to Leonard. Leonard is stood on the sidewalk, the camera's in the middle of the road facing facing leonard and leonard just stomps off perfectly out of frame it's like he's walking off stomping off stage and you have the perfect view in
0: the theater god can you imagine a like a buddy comedy starring johnny tsunami and leonard oh my god they've got to solve like a crime or something do you know sometimes you're watching a film
1: and there's just almost like a crossroads and you're like can the film stop doing what it's doing and instead do what i want and what i want is like imagine if when leonard stomped off and the kids went in the house. The next shot was just Leonard crossing the street,
0: and from that yeah. point,
1: we just follow Leonard.
0: It's a film about Leonard, and occasionally in the background, you'll see some like mummy antics. Out going of focus, on. you can see a mummy <laughs> running around and falling over. <laughs> so the main focus is Leonard, like busting a smuggling ring or something. <laughs> I don't know what Leonard would do. Um, he it'd be like baby's day out or something, but he would just yeah. sort of wander into situations and diffuse them without really knowing what was going on. What would Leonard do? He would like stumble into a like a warehouse shootout between gangsters and sort of bump into one of them and then that causes him to fire his gun and shoot the main bad guy and then a big gunfight goes off and oh, Leonard that's good. walks out eating chocolate. <laughs> that's 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 good. I was thinking Leonard does
1: something like climb a tree and find a bird's nest and eats all the eggs and the film is just him <laughs> eating all the eggs. <laughs> it's- And then when the and then when the bird comes (laughs) back and finds all the eggs, Leonard sings to it in its own language. (laughs)
0: Leonard climbs onto the bird and flies away. (laughs) Flies, travels the hidden paths to his (laughs) there to drink of fairy wine. (laughs) God, Leonard. Leonard. Luke, have you noticed that Harold the mummy yeah. seems quite stressed? So by his stressed, predicament, doesn't so he? So tense. There must be something that he can do. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But in the olden times of Egypt, when he lived, <laughs> yeah, uh, Harold wouldn't have had access to things like the great products available from Cornbread Hemp, a CBD company based in Kentucky. Pity Harold, because Cornbread Hemp's products are flower only, full spectrum, which means there are no seeds stems in it. Harold wouldn't like that. Yep, and they're USDA certified organic and most of their products are vegan friendly including the CBD oils and gummies. Imagine showing a CBD gummy to a mummy from Egypt. <laughs> their, their brain would explode. They would urinate in surprise. Yep.
1: <laughs> At great length. In a, in a side room. Yeah. Uh, cornbread hemp is a family-owned company and crowdfunded as well. All products are grown and made in Kentucky and they're certified by Independent Labs with reports published on their website. So you can check that out at their website, which is cornbreadhemp.com. And hey, while you're there, why not pick up some cool products from Cornbread Hemp and guess what, Andy? There's a code you can use for 25% off your order. What is that code? That code
0: is cook," which you can easily remember because it's the name of this podcast. And that gets you 25% off your order, and that does only ship to the US. So if you're one of our US listeners, then do take advantage of this great offer, and you can be more relaxed and at ease than a mummy who's woken up in the modern era, which yeah. is probably, I think, probably it, the most stressed that is possible. It's a it?
1: low bar. But cornbreadhemp.com is going to get you way past
0: it. It's going to get you there. So (laughs) be less stressed than Harold with Cornbread Hemp. So they run, Leonard leaves, leaving the audience bereft. (laughs) And they follow the less good children uh, to the house. Where it turns out that the movers have taken all of Mr Kubat's stuff. Uh, The sarcophagus is gone. But also the mummy is gone. The mummy's not there. Oh, no. And that sets us up for a series of what I like to call mummy capers. <laughs> so let's uh, detail some of the mummy capers that Harold gets up to.
1: I love these bits of these bits of under wraps. Um, they do massively undercut any tension about keeping Harold out of sight, because Harold freely wanders around in public view for most of the day. <laughs> and at no point does anyone, uh, you know, dissect him.
0: Well, it's close to, yeah, it's close to Halloween, so I suppose... People think, oh, he's just in a good costume. I suppose. It. So it starts the first the first caper is uh, the drive through. Is that right? Yeah, he's at the uh, the Dairy Freeze, which is a yeah. uh, a fast food drive through. Yeah. Uh, he walks up to the drive through and sort of triggers the sp- voice box.
1: He goes, <laughs> SpongeBob.
0: He makes SpongeBob sounds into yeah. it, uh, which apparently the the Dairy Freeze employee can understand. I think this is a gag about how those drive through
1: machines are really unclear i see i think it's clever, it's clever.
0: yeah no that I, makes sense i guess um, i mean it's
1: it's an odd it's you know you're throwing away a lot of mummy lore to mm. to make that gag you're <laughs> you know you're burning some narrative bridges about whether it's okay for harold the secret mummy to go to a drive-thru and
0: order a milkshake and pick up the milkshake but whatever but yeah. so he manages to he acquires a drink he drinks it thus refilling his bladder will that come in
1: uh-oh. <laughs> Later,
0: will he have to urinate again? The audience is on the edge of their seats. So, yeah, he's done that. And then um, he's encountering people in the street. They're all apparently fine with the mummy walking around. Um, he sees a man in bandages being wheeled into a hospital. And I guess thinks it's a, another mummy? Thinks it's a mummy. Well, I guess where he's from, they wouldn't have had...
1: Uh, you know, full body casts, Yeah, (laughs) I guess. So, yeah, Harold goes into the hospital, uh, gets one of his bandages stuck in the automatic closing doors at the entrance to the hospital.
0: So he starts sort of unravelling as he walks through the hospital. (laughs) Uh, He goes up to a desk and a woman gives him a clipboard. He manages to clamp his own fingers in a bulldog clip and starts going, oh! (laughs) (laughs) And Um, And then... A medical professional
1: runs up, takes one look at him, and to be fair, <laughs> echoes the audience's sentiments by going, oh my God, a victim of a terrible fire. You, yeah. A, 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 burn, a burns victim is here. And then another doctor shows up and goes, oh my God, it looks like he's trying to treat himself. <laughs> and they get Harold onto a gurney and start defibrillating him because they can't find a pulse. And they put it on the max setting and set him on fire. <laughs> Setting of the defibrillator <laughs> <anyone>. shouldn't <laughs> The setting that sets people on fire.
0: <laughs> so they, yeah, they set the defibrillator to <laughs> the setting that sets you on fire. Yeah, it's like a faker setting. If they think you're faking
1: it, <laughs> they're like, "Oh, see, see, maybe be on fire, fire. <laughs> or to settle your hash. <laughs> so, this is one of those things where, like, normally when I'm laughing really hard on this podcast, I'm laughing. Kind of at the film. But I I think I am laughing with the film here because I really do like this mummy caper quite a lot.
0: My favourite thing about the whole mummy caper is that um, the kids spot him fleeing from from the hospital. They they hide him. And then the mummy gives them an extremely grunt and uh, (laughs) mime-heavy rendition of what happened in the last 20 minutes, and (laughs) it goes on for so long. (laughs) And then Marshall's like,
1: I understood every single word.
0: (laughs) It's just him going... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it goes Mar- on for about ma- a minute longer than you, <laughs> yeah. than you would think.
1: Marshall's just nodding and like, yeah, I get it. There's uh-huh. a recurring thing of like, Marshall seems to be able to literally understand what Harold the mummy is saying. It's never really explained or interrogated. Mm. I don't know if it's just supposed to be a gag or just supposed to be symbolic of the fact that Marshall just kind of gets Harold on a, a on a deep level. I yeah. don't know. But But anyway, they understand everything. What do they do with Harold then? I can't remember what happens next.
0: Uh, so they take him back to Marshall's house. Um, they hide him in his room. Luckily, his room is full of, like, mannequins of horror monsters. Yeah. So when his mum comes up to check on them, uh, she just thinks that Harold is a, is a sort of new piece he's acquired for his collection. Yeah. Despite the fact that he's 10 and has no money of his own. I mean, he's look, by, I mean if you were to buy a life-size six-foot-six mummy... Mannequin from like a like a collectibles website. You're looking at thousands of dollars. I'm easily.
1: a man in my thirties, and if I bought that for my home, my mum would notice
0: and, and <laughs> yeah. want to know everything about why it was there. Yeah, But she's like, "Oh, this one is good." Um, oh yeah, but the other thing about um, Harold is that he stinks. Yeah, because he's because he is a thousand year old corpse. Yeah, which you know makes sense. Yeah, yeah, We're covered so. in urine. <laughs> so yeah, he's a urine soaked corpse. <laughs> yeah. so yeah so they cover him in uh, cologne <laughs> just before we switch scenes here the mummy hears um the song all by myself and starts to starts to get emotional <laughs> this- so we think maybe there's a special someone in this mummy's life at
1: this point it becomes clear that the mummy yearns not simply to understand what's going on around it and to yeah. get back in its sarcophagus
0: but for the physical touch of another mummy of another mummy um, but we yeah. can't dwell on that because uh, we then discover the twist of this film uh, we cut to some gangsters in a warehouse and they're being led by Mr Kubat <gasps> he's alive it turns out he faked his death uh, to avoid paying taxes yeah <laughs> Yes,
1: right. So, so the timeline for Mr. Coop. This is a Wyndham from Xenon, like scale <laughs> level plan, level plan. Okay. So, from the timeline from his point of view, is he is a he's an antiques dealer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He hasn't paid any taxes. Yeah. The IRS catches on and says, and they say, "Can you pay your taxes? Can you please pay your taxes?" And at this point, he's faced with two choices: one, pay, pay his taxes, taxes. <laughs> or two, fake his own death have all of his possessions, I guess, removed in a van, um, and then start a new life with the same name as before. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um, Selling mummies out of an ice cream warehouse. Selling the mummies that you had left over when you faked your death. Selling your spare mummies. Selling all my spare
1: mummies. Mm. So he had had sort of, I guess, somehow shadily acquired... Was it stolen from the museum or...? No, we don't really know where Harold comes from, do we? He's no, he said he worked in a museum so maybe he stole it. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, the important thing is for some reason there was no reason to have this he's dead or oh no he's alive thing at all. He could have just been alive the whole time. I think that would have been fine. But yeah. in any case, he's behind it all and he has the sarcophagus and he's trying to sell the sarcophagus. But, but- the problem
0: is the mummy isn't in it. So he needs to it. find he needs to find the mummy so he can sell it. Um but that's the sarcophagus that Harold needs to get back to. So this is this is a problem. Yes. Okay, so Harold and Marshall—they're uh, staying together in in Marshall's room. Marshall has a—he's uh, explaining the Ted situation to Harold. <laughs> Harold <laughs> can only say "arg." So it's <laughs> it's not that deeper uh, a conversation. Yeah. Well, on the Harold side, Marshall is like, "Have you ever been in love, Harold?" I guess love doesn't mean much these days. Even yeah. Though I'm I'm ten. Yeah. Marshall's so. kind
1: of giving a a, a sardonic and burned-out yeah. testament to. So, Why does no one stay together anymore? I feel like he's speaking for the Walt Disney Corporation <laughs> when he says, whatever happened to the nuclear family? Whatever happened to the- good old mum and dad and to the 2.5 kids?
0: He's speaking for the divorced screenwriter of Underwood. <laughs> but, you know, Harold, he can't say much, but he he can act through his actions. So he destroys a pot plant and then gives it to Marshall. <laughs> That's, That's a sort of ice, peace offering. Ice, maybe...
1: The writers of under wraps think that in ancient Egypt that was a very polite and kind
0: thing to do. Yeah, well, this was before Wikipedia. You couldn't just look stuff up. No, there was simply to no know way to, know. to imagine it. <laughs> Marshall goes to sleep, but Harold can't sleep. So we get a, we get a few more mummy antics. Uh, he discovers a Kush launcher, fires the Kush out of the window, and a, a little a dog gets it. So he sort of chases the dog around. Yep. Uh, he gets on a skateboard. Uh, <laughs> yeah kick flips it old school. yeah <laughs> does a bit of skateboarding because he's a rockin' mummy. We get
1: some absolutely brilliant um, just from the like legs down shots of Harold skateboarding
0: that are very clearly different legs. <laughs> uh, but as he's sort of skateboarding unsteadily into the road, he sees a bus go past with the sort of the Eye of Horus symbol on it, which was on his sarcophagus, and he he chases after the the bus, which is uh, going to the museum. The marshal wakes up. He gets the other kids. Uh, they go out on their bikes looking for it gilbert's wearing some embarrassing pajamas um but yeah they're at the museum despite it being i i would estimate two in the morning three in the morning
1: yeah about that, uh, they've yeah. just
0: walked in they've just walked into the museum yeah we smash cut to them
1: walking into the ancient I-, I mean no wonder mr kubat was able to get away with so many of these treasures because there really is no security <laughs> you
0: just, just walk in
1: i mean not only have the kids just walked in an, un- a mem- a, an undead <laughs> mummy <laughs>
0: with with very poor motor control he has roamed in (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah so they're they're walking around there aren't any guards harold is there and he's he's looking at all the egypt stuff he's happy and then he sees another sarcophagus and he's sort of kneeling next to it and the kids uh read the informational plaque and it's um a queen and her high priest so that's who this female mummy who's like a sort of all sexy and stuff yeah and
1: yeah oh yeah they just they just break break the lid open don't they we get oh, yeah, a look, just have a look. Yeah. yeah it's a mummy with um this mummy has uh eye shadow and boobs uh yeah. so
0: that is that is <laughs> that is that a real a real miss pac-man situation yeah yeah but yeah it really is it turns out that ha- harold was a high priest somehow despite being basically the patrick star of mummies <laughs> was somehow a
1: high priest so theirs was a, a sort of forbidden love i, I assume yeah. back in in the ancient times yeah. And Harold he's just a he's just a mummy who's in love. He's just a real he, horny mummy, folks. He's just a horny mummy who misses his girlfriend. And it's yeah. up to these plucky kids to get Harold back
0: in that sarcophagus. Well, at this it's at this point it's... that the museum's security system triggers. And the at this system... point
1: yeah, and the security system this, is if the so, cops drive past, some notice somebody, the door's open. Somebody watching the CCTV is watching this all play out, and they're like, mm, this far, no further. <laughs> like, well,
0: no, I don't even think that's what happens. I think the security system of this museum is if the police drive past and the door is open. Because <laughs> can... that's what happens. The cop goes, hang on, they left the door of the museum open. I'm going in. Uh, Harold has read the markings and he realizes too that he needs to be back in the sarcophagus before tomorrow night. Yep. He's all sad. But then the cops are, are there and the kids get away in the vents, so they, they don't get gots, they're fine. So they need to figure out how to get to the sarcophagus. They have no leads. They don't know where the sarcophagus is. There's nowhere to there's, turn. There's nowhere to turn. Also, Kubat yeah. has
1: covered his tracks so well. You would need a thousand eyes to know <laughs> to know where he was. They're at,
0: the, they're at the end of their rope. this is is the end of the second act the lowest point for our heroes If only there was someone to whom they could turn <laughs> Oh shit, it's Leonard <laughs> That's a mummy, cool Go home He must belong in that big mummy coffin That's Leonard's right. back
1: Leonard just like kicks open a garden kicks gate Kicks over the door goes
0: That's a mummy, it's like, Hey, cool I'm He about... must belong in the big mummy coffin <laughs> That went in the yellow truck It was very yellow <laughs> Hi,
1: I'm about five miles from where we last met each other <laughs> I travelled the hidden ways. I opened a secret door, oh, yeah. <laughs> and now I'm. And now I, Leonard, am here. I've always been here, but I'm also, in your reality. I'm here.
0: <laughs> I am everywhere all at once. I opened a door in a tree trunk and walked into it. <laughs> and I came out here. So yeah, so Leonard's like, yeah, I know. Here's here's where it is. Well, he says it went in the yellow truck. It was very yellow. Mm. And they said, did it have any writing on it? And Leonard says. Yes, it did. And they said, what does it say, Leonard? He says... I don't
1: know. I can't read.
0: Spectacular. As a parting word, as he leaves, Leonard gives them everything they need to solve the case. Yep. He says, if you find the man in the truck, don't ask him for any ice cream because he won't give it to you. And that's the the clue they need. Yep. The old Erin's ice cream factory trucks were yellow. Okay, so they, need, they
1: know they need to go to the old ice cream factory, which is affordable to film in. Yes, of course. But
0: they need but disguises. Yeah. Mm, we've already established they don't. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's No true. one really cares. <laughs> yeah, um, But yeah, they decide to dress up Harold, who is a mummy. Yeah. as a uh like a 70s pimp from a black exploitation film because yes. that will be less conspicuous somehow. Yeah. He's wearing like a huge hat and flares and sort of mirrored platform shoes. I think he's more eye-catching in this outfit than he was as a mummy to be honest. Well, he is eye-catching. He
1: catches the eye of a woman walking down the street who's like, yeah. "Hey, look at who's this handsome fellow." Yeah. And then she sees his undead face and screams and, screams. and runs yeah. in terror. And then
0: they all they all cycle off on their bikes and they've given Harold a tiny child's bike for some reason and he crashes into a tree again probably quite (laughs) eye-catching okay so they approach the factory
1: um but oh no it has a high wall that they need to how are they going to break in it seems like there's no way oh wait harold can use his immense mummy strength to hurl marshall (laughs) a fatal height into the air (laughs) so marshall is killed (laughs) i watched marshall land because you know he falls from a great height I watched Marshall land on the other side of the wall several times trying to figure out if it was a, like an adult stuntman or like a mannequin <laughs> filled with jelly. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, it looks like something that's designed to burst open, like yeah. in an explosion of gore.
0: <laughs> yeah, like a ballistics dummy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Because Deadliest really, Warrior.
1: when Marshall hits the deck, you really feel it. You're like, OK, he's dead for sure. But it, yeah, Marshall springs up. He's OK. And then he and yeah. uh, Harold infiltrate
0: the factory. We don't need to go to, like, too much into detail about no. what happens here, but all they basically discover is... Marshall discovers that Kubat's still alive. Yeah. They discover that this is where the sarcophagus is. Harold sees the sarcophagus. Um, Marshall's like, no, we can't. you can't get in now. They'll see us. Harold leaves a bit of his wrapping accidentally. And then one of their... Um, <laughs> One of the henchmen sees them leaving on their bikes. Yeah, now and, Harold uh,
1: now is out of his disguise for some reason. So yeah, I don't know what the point of yeah, the disguise was. And goes to his boss and says, hey, you won't believe what I just saw. So, yeah, good job with the disguises, kids.
0: Yeah. So basically they reveal to Kubat that they have the mummy. Um, but they know where the sarcophagus is. They need a, a car to be able to haul it away. Obviously, as children, they don't have a car, but their adult friend, Bruce, has a car. He's running the haunted house at the uh, the town Halloween party. Yeah. So they need to go there to um, to find Bruce. They need Halloween costumes to be able to get in. So uh, Marshall's got a skull mask. Uh, Amy has some Princess Leia hair buns. And Gilbert has come dressed as Dennis Rodman, which is a bold choice for a, <laughs> which, a gingery 10-year-old. Uh, it
1: kind of equates to uh, like some sunglasses and a, a, feather, bower, a feather boa i guess oh i thought he
0: was um gonna he was hulk hogan yeah the dance is going on marshall's mom and ted are there they're having a nice time marshall is like good it doesn't bother me the goons show up then they yeah they're looking for a mummy they unmask every mummy it turns out this party's full of dozens of mummies yeah dozens and dozens of mummies um, yeah. but that's basically what they're what they're doing they're just they're just trying to find harold this
1: party is weird it's like like the whole town is there it's a, yep. it's very. It seems like a kid's Halloween party because it seems to be. It's like I don't know where it's taking place in the village. It mall? feels like the school, the school gym or something. Yeah, that's that's the that's the aesthetic vibe. It looks like a school yeah. disco, but all the yeah. grown ups are there. Um, And they're all, you know, swapping partners. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, some people are treating it like a school disco. Some people are treating it like a swingers uh, keeper. Like like some kind of secret Soho members
0: society. It's a very sexually aggressive Cleopatra.
1: Well... (laughs) I mean, Harold sees this Cleopatra over at the punch table and is like, oh, yeah. so, so such a horny, horny SpongeBob. And so, you know, kind of totters over. Um, and, you know, she sees him, uh, thinks that Harold is her husband, says, what were you doing? Why were you away so long or or, or something like that? Anyway, they then start dancing. She really fancies Harold. Harold yeah. really fancies her. I don't think she
0: thinks he's her husband. But she but she I seems think, to know him. Well, I think they she's they've just met and they've been getting on well. And he's gone away and then come back and she's like now to continue ah, uh, developing relationship. Right. Yes. Okay. So she's been
1: flirting with a mummy. Yeah at the party. a mummy. That mummy is now absent. It's
0: established that there's six or seven mummies at this party.
1: Yeah, it's important that you know how many mummies there are at this party. It's important for the sort of bedroom farce. Someone else who's dressed as a mummy is the school principal, um, which Gilbert finds out to his disadvantage when he just, like, punches him really hard in the stomach. Yeah. Which I guess Uh, is what he was going to do to Harold. (laughs) This is the principal Mr Hammer. Yeah, Mr Hammer. He punches him really hard in the stomach and is like... Oh, no, you're not Harold. Why were you going to punch Harold hard in the stomach? Don't but punch you're Harold. Allowed to punch, you can punch mummies. You don't stop they're, punching Harold. They're full of fragrant sawdust. I feel like Gilbert's just punching Harold because he knows Harold can't tell anyone. And he's but, got a lot going on.
0: Yeah, it's true. He's going to work out some stuff on Harold. <laughs> but the um, So the Cleopatra is like getting getting hot and heavy with yeah. Harold. And then um, Mr. Hammer's wife comes over and says, what are you doing with my husband? Yep because this must be him. And yep. then Mr. Hammer comes over and goes, I'm not him. And then the Cleopatra is like, well, who is this mysterious mummy? I must know. Let's unmask him. And reveals Harold's horrible monster face.
1: Yeah. which And then everyone screams and flees. And then everyone's screaming and running. Um, yeah. But it's okay, because while Harold is having a mummy caper, a sexy mummy caper yeah, with a... Another um, mummy caper. With a sexy Cleopatra. Uh, meanwhile, the kids have found Bruce, uh, who is, uh, in his words making a killing um, Mm -hmm. selling $2 entry to kids. So there are kids at this party.
0: Yeah. Um, Maybe Bruce isn't as independently wealthy as I thought.
1: (laughs) He doesn't want to be bothered by the kids because he's charging two dollars for them to run through his like scary yeah. horror house, which is horror maze. Yeah. Horror maze got some dangling skeletons and, and such. Mm.
0: But yeah, so the the goons are unmasking all the all the mummies, and they once Harold has been unmasked, they realize that he's the true mummy. So they chase him. Everyone runs through the horror maze. Yeah, uh, they all pile into Bruce's car. But Harold heroically holds the doors closed to stop the goons getting out. Bruce cowardly drives away with all the kids in the car, leaving Harold behind. So the kids have escaped, but Harold has been captured
1: luckily they know exactly where they'll be Mm. taking harold back to the oh yes the extremely affordable abandoned
0: factory luckily bruce has a car trunk full of weird horror props
1: yeah this is like honestly this is like a um a gag from the simpsons because they open the boot which is full of these horror props masks costumes that kind of thing the kids look at each other and go well, now this gives me an idea for how we could get into the factory. Smash cut to one of the goons walking around on patrol, and the kids spring out of cover and beat him senseless with, with bits with bits of horror paraphernalia. They just beat him with prosthetic legs until he loses consciousness. It would have been a lot better if they'd opened the trunk and there'd been some crowbars and like a jack there. Because all they're going to use this stuff for is like savagely beating
0: a man. (laughs) So so they knock him to the floor and then Bruce screams body slam and then does what is clearly a a splash. It's not a body. slam. But the man loses consciousness from having Bruce land on his midsection. Yeah. And they tie him up with some fake intestines. So that's all of the horror props. They've used all of it. Yeah, that's all done. There's no
1: no more use for them now.
0: And Uh they put an eye in his mouth as a as a yeah. gag as,
1: yeah as a warning yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I said to appease Leonard
0: <laughs> yeah so now so, they yeah. have no plan or equipment yeah um, and but- Bruce says I've got to start hanging out with people my own
1: age which is true which is true what they have done is split the party so we've got Marshall and uh, Marshall is kind of by himself going like making a beeline for Harold then we've got Bruce and Amy who are also there I don't really know what their stated aim is exactly well
0: Yeah, they need to sort of create a distraction. Amy is like, maybe a little fire will help things. Um, So she's off to sort of start a fire somewhere. Yes. But Marshall finds Harold. He's chained up.
1: Yeah. Oh, crucially, Um, Gilbert has decided that he's too big of a coward and doesn't want to come and help. He is in the
0: car outside. So yeah, Bruce and Amy are trying to sort of trigger the fire alarm because they think it'll be a distraction. So Bruce is sort of hanging from a pipe like with a match underneath the sprinkler system but he sort of ends up breaking the pipe and swinging across the warehouse, smashing into a load of ice cream, knocking everything over. It looks like um, it would kill
1: you instantly, but um, yeah. it doesn't.
0: but he he isn't killed, but he is immediately captured. Uh, meanwhile, Marshall is freeing Harold. Um, they start to push the sarcophagus out, but Kubat steps out from the shadows. Uh-oh. And he's, he's in awe of the fact that... Uh, Marshall has somehow managed to resurrect the mummy. He says, how did you do it? I, oh, sure. I read the myths about full moons and festivals of the dead. Well, yeah, that was it. That was how he did it. That was how he did it. That,
1: it was exactly
0: what you said. Sure, I re- You should have just done that. If sure, I read that. about how
1: a mummy comes to life if it sees the full moon. Of course, I didn't, didn't try didn't do putting it. the full moon on the mummy, which is literally all it takes. To the one step. The mummy wasn't even in
0: direct moonlight. It bounced <laughs> off a mirror. So, like... How did you do it? I mean... The one step is to shine the full moon onto the mummy but you can't have done that. <laughs> no no that was it. Oh. Yeah. Oh I see. <laughs> I see. Well more for
1: well. me. Uh, at this point it seems that all is lost because Kubat has you know has them all uh, at at his mercy but then at gunpoint. H- yeah. At gunpoint but then in a an extremely pointless heroic sacrifice who should come smashing through the wall
0: but Dennis Rodman. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Wait, is that Dennis R- no, no, it's, it's Gilbert. Gilbert. It's little oh, Gilbert. my God. I so was fooled for a second.
1: Gilbert drives his car through the wall, not knowing what's on the other side. He could so easily have killed <laughs> himself or his friends. All the children. All the children. Gilbert. So he just drives through this big wall, smashes everything into rubble. Um, does he run anyone over? Does he sort of incapacitate any of the other goons or something? Or is there uh, literally no point to him doing this?
0: Well, no, he doesn't. But then... The ceiling does collapse and drop pipes on everyone. Oh,
1: yeah, that's right. Again, it looks pretty fatal. Um, yeah. However... And then
0: Kuba is still up and he has the gun, but Harold grabs him and using his mummy strength, he throws him across the room. Yeah, which
1: is pretty awesome. It's the second time we've seen Harold use his mummy strength to throw someone and it never gets old. I like it when Harold actually deploys his immense supernatural
0: strength. And Amy is was worried that Marshall was going to die and it sort of made her realise how much she truly cares for Marshall. I guess. But there's no time to dwell on emotions now. They need to get this sarcophagus back to the museum. It's almost midnight. So they load it into an ice cream truck. They drive to the museum. They put H- Harold's sarcophagus next to the high priestess's the busty lady mummy and Harold's yep. necklaces absorb the moonlight and she too comes to life. Yeah.
1: And goes, "Oh no, this weirdo. <laughs> I thought
0: I'd shaken him. <laughs> I
1: thought I'd shaken oh, him no. 3,000 years ago."
0: <laughs> <laughs> So he starts, yeah, he starts worshiping her. She touches his face. Yep. Uh, they put Harold in his own sarcophagus. Yep. They hold hands. Harold takes a look at her and then delivers the immortal line: <gasps> <laughs> "Love conquers all." <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, they all say their goodbyes to Harold. He pulls off his necklace and gives it to Marshall. I, I thought that necklace was important, but I guess not. Um, <laughs> no, I guess not anymore. <laughs> yeah. They close the sarcophagus, and and Harold is is gone. He's back. Back in his eternal slumber.
1: Yep. But now reunited with his loved one. So, yeah, it's yeah. nice. The kids have done a good thing. They and It all happened on Halloween for some reason.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the ancient Egyptian yeah. festival of Halloween.
1: There's a little uh, coda to the film, uh, which is basically Marshall learning to be cool about
0: uh, a new stepdad. The mum sort of comes up and she's like, how are you doing, Marshall? Are you all right? He's packing away all this horror stuff. He says he's outgrown it. And he asks, I bet the, mom, and the mum is like,
1: thank Christ. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, as she leaves, she, he's like, uh, this, this Ted, do you, do you love him? This Ted guy? And the mum's like, yeah, I do. And Marshall's like, you should marry him. Yeah. Because people in love should be together. And one day you and Ted could be mummies and separated. <laughs> And it would be bad. And I speak now for the
1: Walt Disney Corporation when I say, if you're in love, you should be married. You should be married under (laughs) the
0: watchful eye of Jesus Christ. You
1: should be married and ideally getting me a little brother or sister, because that is the function of a union.
0: So that's the end of Under Wraps. Um, I don't know if you had the same thought that I did when this film finished, but I have a theory about what was actually going on. Um, Uh, No,
1: I did did not have any high... High-minded theories about this film at all?
0: Okay, I think it. I think it makes the film make a lot more sense if you imagine Marshall's mum and Ted at their wits' end for how to get Marshall to accept Ted as his new stepfather. <gasps> yes, hatched hatched a plot to disguise Ted as a mummy. Oh, uh, because Marshall yeah. loves. Horror stuff so much. Yes. And then get him to go on a kind of madcap adventure with him to teach oh. him that people should be in love should be together. I mean, um, that it, it explains damn. everything that happens in the, the movie, it gets rid of the supernatural element entirely. It explains why Harold and the mummy are played by the same actor. Yeah, and where how the mum is like not
1: phased by there clearly being an enormous stinking mummy in that wasn't the, there before. Yeah,
0: because she's in on it. She's she knows. playing along. She turns around and I
1: mean, she, she's winking at, you know, she's, she's like, winking
0: at her, it. It's it's basically yeah. like, Oh, where did this mummy come from? Like they're yeah. having a little joke between themselves. I so think it explains. Dinner, Ted. Yeah. Yeah. This explains everything that happens in this movie, and That's I think good. it's I don't think it's even subtext. I think it's definitely what's the, going uh, on. the
1: only question mark it's rating in my mind
0: is the bit where Harold throws Marshall twenty feet in the air into a, into a series a- <laughs> of pulleys and wires that him and his mum set up. And also the ma- <laughs> the lady mummy in the museum is the mum in bandages as well.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, okay, I like it. But I am just imagining now him just hoying Marshall over this lie wall, (laughs) and that's under wraps. Uh, Yeah, yeah. A lot of mummy
0: capering, pretty freaking solid. I think I that was that was a good movie. Yeah, yeah. It had uh, a lot of fun mummy capers. The plot wasn't too complicated, apart from the fact that that guy faked his death. Yeah, that was sort of was unnecessary. But we're not talking like Xenon levels. No, 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 no. no. Needlessly complicated plots. Uh, the cinematography, the direction, uh, the score—particularly, I wanted to call out. Like musically, this movie is really, really good. Yeah, it's just—it's just a really good film. Again, up there with Johnny Tsunami for me. Uh, absolutely, yeah, me too. It's—it's it's so. It, I don't think it would happen today that you would get the Disney Corporation deciding to make a series of like made-for-TV kind of tentpole films for their like their Disney Channel. Yeah. And they go the first one that we're going to do the flagship that launches this brand is going to be about a horny mummy who urinates <laughs> regularly and also I don't know some other stuff happens. You know what maybe this is maybe we're actually getting
1: onto unwittingly uh, identifying a reason why we find decoms so compelling because the plot of all of these decoms apart from the very very few that are sequels and franchises are so wildly hmm. different. I feel like it harks back to a time when you would throw a lot of stuff at the wall. Like if you're, yeah. if, you know, if you're Disney, you're like, hey, let's have a mummy. Let's have, what if a boy turned into a leprechaun? What if a boy yeah. was a fish? What if there was a motocross uh, what championship? What if a girl did motocross? Yeah, like, you know, and other yeah. such far-fetched. So, <laughs> far-fetched notions.
0: Yeah, um, and, I think that's, yeah. I think that's it. The variety is so, even if like the decon that you're watching now isn't very good, there'll be another one next week. And maybe that one will be good. So you yeah. just, you know, you keep coming exactly.
1: back. And you sit down to watch a decom, and you're like, what's the premise of this one? I have absolutely no idea. But then yeah. you are told, you know, like, oh, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'll watch that.
1: Has it got Leonard in? We've got a little bit of any other business. Um, thank you to Stuart Dreghorn. Well, thank you to everyone, as usual. We've received so many mm. so many emails and so many messages. Lots of lovely emails. Um, thank you very much. And thanks again for everyone who's um, who's offered up a five-star review on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you feel like you can do that and want to. But Stuart Dreghorn says, Hello, Luke and Andy. The algorithm recommended something I thought you might find interesting. Disney produced a series of shorts about the future of of Johnny Tsunami. So this is a series of short videos. They are on a YouTube channel called Oh My Disney. Basically they've made uh, a series of <laughs> pretty wacky skits um, <laughs> called Johnny Tsunami on the job.
0: What? You know, I always used to rag on my dad for working all the time. Like, what could be so interesting that he'd have to spend eight hours a day working on it? You know? And with my grandpa, like always down to ride waves. I just, I didn't get it.
1: Things change, brah. But I can surf, I can snowboard, I can mountain board. So learning how to code it was honestly kind of a piece of cake. <clears throat> Tsunami. Oh, you gonna have that mock up ready for three o'clock? Yes, yes, siree. Right.
0: You- yeah, they're all like that. Wow, um, that's uh, that's a lot more depressing
1: than I thought it would be do you know how um the sitcom the office is funny yes well what if it looked like that go on I, i'm loving it already also funny it looks like a funny thing is it is it funny though anyway um it's 3 p.m and the golf links are calling <laughs> johnny Capahala's is in it is it funny uh you be the judge humor subjective isn't it taps watch <laughs> <Golf links laughs> now watch <okay>. this drive <laughs> I think if you're going to make it canon that Johnny Kapahala gets a crappy office job that he hates, it should be... Make it a full decom. Yeah. Have
0: the courage. And have, have his sort of aloha spirit influ, influence the office. Exactly. And lead to, like, great profits for the paper company yeah. or whatever. Chill chill profits. Profits that go Richter at backdoor. <laughs> Uh, What are we doing next? Um, Our next one, we've already announced it. It's the live show that we're doing um, for Halloween, which is uh, Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. That's right. The Hanson kids are grounded and must do something to get their mother out of the house in order to be free. They fix her up with a mysterious man, only to realise that he might be a vampire. That's going to be a that's going to be a live episode, but uh, it'll still be going up here on the old podcast feed. So yeah, keep keep an ear open for Mum's Got a Date with a Vampire. It's coming out in November, but it's still spooky. Halloween goes all the way to December. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it works. That's how it works. Uh, let's end with a quote from Harold. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think there's something in there for all of us to learn from. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.